And we're back for this week's edition of Rabbit Hole Recap with Matt O'Dell and Marty Bent. This is Marty here. Putting on <laughs> oh, hey, Matt. I jumped the gun a little bit. How's it going, guys? I was just going to explain that I'm putting on my NPR voice uh, because we have our first advertiser in a, in a bit here. Uh, this episode of the Rabbit Hole Recap, this edition of the Rabbit Hole Recap, is brought to you by Honey Miner. Our good friends at HoneyMiner.com are allowing you cryptocurrency advocates, specifically you Bitcoin freaks out there, the opportunity to earn Bitcoin with one click. Simply go to HoneyMiner.com, download their software. Right now, only Windows compatible. They're rolling out iOS and Linux soon. But if you have a Windows computer, go to HoneyMiner.com right now, download the software, and start mining shit coins that automatically get liquidated into Bitcoin and sent to your account. Just giving up some extra hardware space or computing power uh, to help bring the demise of shit coins everywhere. Matt, what are your thoughts on Honey Miner? It, well, first of all, Marty just did that on the fly. It was fantastic. <laughs> um, but basically, the general concept is it, it uses, you run it on your computer and it, it mines the most profitable altcoin and then it auto dumps it for Bitcoin. So you get Bitcoin. Yeah. So uh, Check it out. they're friends of the pod. Uh, very. Uh, very big fan of CoinYeezy and Crypto Randy and what they're doing with Honey Miner in particular. Um, so if you guys are looking for a way to earn Bitcoin uh, and don't have cash at hand right now, but do have some extra laptops or computers laying around, check out Honey Miner. We're going to put uh, the ref link in the show notes. Um, so even if you don't uh, use it to download and, and start clicking things, just make an account. Use the ref link. Make an account. Um, help out the pod. I think we you only you get the ref link gives us yeah. a portion of the yeah. of the return. So unless you mine, it doesn't really get us anything. Yeah. Just keep in mind, like the you know, it's it's for most people, it probably won't be profitable, but but you get a nice steady stream of Bitcoin, and that's really awesome. Yeah, and so, you get to dump some shit coins while you're at it. Sorry, Hunter Miner, messed up the end of the read there, but I think it was a good live read. Very good, very good. Um, thanks for sponsoring the pod. Love you guys. Uh, on to the topics of the week, Matt. We're struggling to pick up some topics here, but I think it's been actually a pretty exciting under-the-radar week. You want to start with uh, the announcement today from... It's not even really an announcement. The report that was posted today from the New York Attorney General office? Well, we should start with the date, which is September 18th, uh, 2018. 2018, the price of Bitcoin. <laughs> the date is important. Um, the price of Bitcoin right now. Let me pull up the chart. We're looking at Bitstamp today. Uh, it is about 7 p.m. here on the East Coast, and on Bitstamp, the price of Bitcoin right now is $6,345.09 in U.S. dollar terms. Very so that's good. where we are uh, today. Uh, thank you for refreshing our memories of what the date is today. <laughs> Marty got a little bit excited with his first sponsor, so <laughs> we'll get um, better. Yeah, so the New York Attorney General Office basically uh, uh, released a 42-page report uh, that basically dissected their findings of the different uh, exchanges that cooperated with them, sort of their processes, their practices, and what's going on uh, sort of under the hood at some of these companies. It was pretty insightful. Uh, also, uh, maybe a shot across the bow of the industry, like, hey, uh, regulators are, are watching and watching pretty intently. Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, we should give them a little backstory, right? So, um, Yeah, go for it. What was it a couple months ago? New York AG uh, Schneiderman mm -hmm. sent out letters to how many exchanges? Twenty-two, I believe. Twenty-two exchanges, 
basically demanding all this different information from them. Uh, they gave him very short notice. I think it was like two weeks notice to respond or something. Didn't Kranken respond like, go fuck yourself? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. pretty much everyone complied. And then there was three that didn't. I think that was, was Gate.io, Kraken, and Huobi. Huobi, I think. Huobi, yeah. Um, but Kraken, like... Jesse Powell just straight like, up said, yeah. nah. The founder, the founder CEO of Kraken, like he just told them to go fuck themselves. He just <laughs> that was the the po- we'll link his original response to it, but it was uh, it was pretty much you know we don't we don't serve New York customers and and you have no right to request this from us and you know ask nicer next time I guess right yeah. And so this was the result of that fact-finding mission. They took all the, you know, the 18, the 19 uh, different exchanges. They took all their information. They wrote up this whole detailed report about the industry. And on top of that, they, they recommended those three exchanges that didn't respond. They recommended that they, uh, that they're probably violating the bit license in New York. Um, how can they violate it if they're not operating? That's what I would like to know. Matt just got up to shut the door, so you don't hear the chain. But how how could they be violating the bit license and they're not offering services in New York? Well, so the claim is that they are offering services in New York, oh, even though they say they're not. I'm not sure how they dictate that. I'm not sure how. I, I, Kraken does KYC, I'm pretty sure, right? Yeah, would have to be VPN and stuff. Block, yeah, I mean, they all these, these three sites were blocking New York by IP address. Mm-hmm. But if they do KYC, then they're also checking your ID and stuff, and I assume they're blocking New York that way as well. Yeah. Is there... I think... I mean, there's a good argument to be made that uh, um, you really can't fault these exchanges for people that use VPNs to access them, correct? Is that... Are they uh, protected by the law? Well, I mean, basically, if you, if you... I don't think they're protected by the law, but, I mean, if you... If you fault them for that, then there's nothing an exchange can ever do to stop it unless they do full KYC. Um, because there's no way to tell where someone's from unless you make them tell you, right? Yeah. Uh, like BitMEX is a fa- is the famous one. They don't allow any U.S. customers, but if you use a VPN, you can like trivially get around it. And there's no way BitMEX can know because they don't actually take information from their users on who's using it you know all their users are, are pretty much anonymous yeah i'm trying to think of the legal term um here not feign ignorance but uh plausible deniability right? yeah maybe plausible deniability but, i mean they they can still make your life living hell right yeah no matter what yeah there are some interesting findings uh beyond uh them telling these other exchanges to start complying uh one thing Coinbase, it became apparent that uh, 20% of their trading volume was them actually buying Bitcoin on their exchange on behalf of their retail customers. Well, we're not really sure. It wasn't very clear. We think it's because of their retail customers. Mm -hmm. Uh, They kind of like put it in a slide as if they're trading against their users. What? Really? Um, Yeah, they were like... They were they were like these are the exchanges that have trading desks that trade on their own exchange, you know, which kind mm-hmm. of makes it gives off that impression. Um, but 
but it's probably mostly it's their retail products. So like if you go onto the brokerage service on Coinbase and you go to buy some Bitcoin, like they have to they have to pull that Bitcoin from somewhere to give it to you. So they pull it off their exchange. Yeah. So in the conflicts of interest interest uh, section in this report, it's a forty two page. You can find it uh, virtualmarkets.ag.ny.gov/slash pound section two they made it really pretty for a government report did right? you notice that they yeah, have like all these flashy graphics and stuff and very the, good the website's here. pretty they have a a custom domain name what is it what is it virtualmarkets.ag.my.gov they're um, definitely targeting like it's more of a public publicity play you know so uh, very very good optics here coming from the attorney general's uh uh, office right now, but yes, in this conflicts of interest, there uh, there's a section platform trading on its own venue. Uh, yes, to Bitfinex, Bitflyer, Coinbase, Poloniex, Tidex. Never heard of Tidex. Uh, the one your exchanges that are not going to trade against you apparently are Bitstamp, Bittrex, Gemini, and HBus. And then Itbit just said we're not going to disclose. So I've never heard of HBus or Tidex. Tidex, neither have I. Um, but they, that's pretty good on Gemini's part, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Gemini Bitstamp. Gemini Bitstamp. Um, and Bitrex. Bitrex is sort of dying right now. Um, so, yeah, if you freaks want to go check out this. Yeah, we'll post a link. Um, but, yeah, really, the, what it really does is point out sort of like the different processes that, that exist within different exchanges and really made clear that there might there is no clear-cut, concise way on how like best practices in this space, you know, particularly when it comes to custody and, and exchange. Yeah, there's a there's a disconnect here because, and, and we saw this with the bit license originally, where regulators want to put the same model, the traditional model on, on top of these crypto exchanges, mm-hmm. when in a lot of cases, the safest thing for consumers would be you know, not to give KYC info and custody and all this stuff to, to the exchanges, but instead the regulation requires it, right? And then you end up trusting them with a ton of ton of information. You end up trusting them with more funds than usual, mm-hmm. uh, stuff like withdrawal limits. Uh, they were talking about they, they, want, they want the exchanges to be less opaque, Right, they want to basically be able to see into the operations of everything happening. Like one of the beauties of of this movement is that you can have exchanges around the world run by different people, you know, with different philosophies and whatnot. And just and uh, at its core, different borders and different exactly domiciles. And like this this idea that like New York is going to go around dictating, you know, what people do in these other countries is i think it's pretty antiquated and i think at the end of the day it's going to hurt it's going to hurt new yorkers it's going to hurt new york they're going to lose out on tax dollars because people aren't going to launch exchanges here they're not going to launch businesses here and they'll just block new york users that's the whole point is that kraken after the bit license was like new york users cannot sign up to our exchange because instead of dealing with all the overbearing regulation they were just like fine we just won't service new yorkers and but it seems like the NYAG is trying to strong arm Kraken and other uh, not not uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? I'm always looking for words. Uh, not defectors, but uh, sort of 
people that are staying staying staunch in their beliefs that, that they don't need to comply it seems like they're trying to strong arm them and is this something we'll see like is uh, resistance futile but this is an interesting situation because you know the new york ag is a very is a very prominent position and usually it's used as like a launching point to further like politics State department yeah or like a lot of times you see um AG goes to becomes becomes the governor of New York, right? Mm-hmm. And then runs for president after that. Yeah. Uh that's what Spitzer was before he had the whole prostitution thing happen. He was the AG first and he went after Wall Street and he made a name for himself mm-hmm. and then he became uh he became the governor. So with Schneiderman it was you know, I think that was like kind of a similar idea, right? And and Bitcoin and crypto was was the prices were going crazy. It was on the news everywhere. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to be the AG that took down big bad crypto, right? <laughs> and so he started the whole process. And then in the meantime, he's had to resign because he had assault allegations against him, like multiple alleged assaults. Mm-hmm. And you had this new AG Underwood, and it was kind of just like handed to her, right? So like you finish it. But now we're in a bear market. There's all these less eyes on us, so maybe it might not even it might not even turn into anything. It might just be a nothing burger. Yeah, I mean regulators are going to regulate, but maybe this time it's like a, it's a little bit weird of a situation because he started it. It was in the bull run when he started it, and uh, and and now it's a new person and and it's and it's not the bull run anymore. Yeah, it's interesting how uh, price and attention really dictates this stuff. Uh, It'd be it'd be cool if the bear market like basically. Uh, I think the bit license came in the bear though. It was the same idea, right? Two thousand fourteen, right? Like Lawski did it while everything was going big, and then he had to like follow through as everything was was collapsing. He turned out okay though. No, he didn't. Is he on the board of Ripple? Yeah, fuck him. <laughs> I'm saying he. Lawski def- was the guy who who was heading the New York uh, Department of Financial Services. Uh, and pushed through the bit license. Yeah, July seventeenth, two thousand fourteen. He his claim was that it was you know to protect dumb retail, and then after he he pushes through this draconian uh, regulation, this overbearing regulation, he then leaves public office and creates a consulting firm to get through his legislation that he just created. And then after that, he joins fucking Ripple to basically do the same thing. Yeah, right? just completely destroys reputation. Just, yeah. just adds the cherry on top. Hey, I'm going to go work for Ripple. Yeah, I just don't know how you can say, like, I'm protecting dumb retail and then go to re- and go to Ripple. <laughs> go to, get one of the dumbest like, coins for retail. Investment. Yeah, it's like the, the number one Mark coin, you know? Yeah. Mark coin, I like that. Okay, let's get to the next topics. That seems know, little... Regulators are going to regulate. Regulators are going to regulate, and then code. Oh, no, and this sucks. And and the, and the worst they can do is for the exchanges. Like, it sucks for the exchanges, the guys running the exchanges, but, like, Bitcoin doesn't give a shit. Like, they can't regulate Bitcoin. Yeah, and you just fucked up my segue there. Sorry, segue. I was going to say code executes no matter what. Uh, and sometimes it can execute bad things known as bugs. And today, it was made aware to the overarching Bitcoin user base that uh, there has been a bug uh, in the Bitcoin core implementation since version 0.14.0, and the core team rushed out um, an upgrade today. 
to version 0.16.3 to patch the bug. Uh, never ideal. Definitely a bad look on the on the core team here. Or not the core team, just... Uh, uh, just every eyes, all the eyes that were on it. All the eyes were on it, miss it for for two major versions and then, then two, uh, yeah, it's been two in there smaller for a versions while. within the last uh, major. And I'm trying to pull up the Optech newsletter here. Um, give me a second. But it uh, it dove into the bug, and the, basically the bug had to do with a, D, a potential DDoS attack on nodes uh, it, from miners. Yeah, if you had a miner, if a miner, so first of all, the bug required a miner to actually toss out Execute. his twelve and a half Bitcoin mining reward. All right, you want me to read it? Yeah, just read it. Um, so highly recommended to upgrade to zero point sixteen point three if you're running a node right now uh, to fix a denial of service vulnerability. A bug introduced in Bitcoin Core version zero point one four point zero and affecting all subsequent versions through zero point one six point two will cause Bitcoin Core to crash when attempting to validate a block containing a transaction that attempts to spend the same input twice. Such blocks would be invalid and so only can be created by miners willing to lose the allowed income and having created a block. Uh, so at least 12 and a half Bitcoin or about 80 grand right so now. So you mine a block, it has a transaction in it that goes to two different places, mm-hmm. makes that block invalid, but it also at the same time uh, crashes the node. Yeah. Um, and it only affects nodes after 0.14. There's... But what? It, how many nodes would, could it crash at once, potentially? That's what I'm... Well, so, so the thing that, is, like, when a node crashes, it stops propagating the block. Mm-hmm. So that should limit the effect to a degree. And because it's invalid, the propagation also... Yeah, that's what I'm trying... Limited. So any, any client that doesn't have that vector in it wouldn't propagate the block because it's invalid, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so like LibBitcoin probably wouldn't. Um, we haven't seen any blocks like that yet. Uh, people are already installing 0.163. Looking at the node count on CoinDance, it doesn't look like anything's happened. It doesn't yeah, look like no, the BU chart or anything like that. From I've already there. upgraded my node. Uh, uh, so you should upgrade, you know, pretty soon or get that done if you have a node. But let's, let's talk about what this means, though. Um, is this, how, how grave is this? Well, one of the important things here is that is that it does the risk of it is 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 reduced because of the game theory of the system right so like the miners have to specifically not only they have to throw out their own money to do it Mm -hmm. 80 grand right now right they'd also possibly be killing their golden goose right because like you might end up crashing bitcoin yeah that's like really badly that's what i was uh that's what i was thinking like that's the uh that's the thought experiment i found that's like the place i found myself in my own thought experiment is like the game theory is such that the miners why would they even do this but so you have two things right unless you're malicious bitcoin cash Mm -hmm. so if you're it'd it'd be that's one of the scary things is that's been around since 0.14 so when Bitcoin Cash had a had had more of the narrative going for it, you know, and the price wasn't completely down the shitter, like they might have been able to do some craziness with it, right? Luckily, they weren't um, competent. So you have Bitcoin Cash, so they can move their miners there, and I think the game theory gets weakened a little bit with altcoins now. Well, in how the so? Picture, because because you can you attack Bitcoin and at the same time you short it. First of all, 
right? And um, it'll be hard to do that in like any kind of meaningful volume anonymously, but you could short it. And then alternatively, you could also, or at the same time, you could, you know, have shitcoin bags and then pump pump with that. You know, like if uh, I don't know, like Litecoin or 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 I don't know Ethereum or something. I we, we kind of saw that last year with the altcoin boom, right? Where they were there was a lot of spam transactions happening on Bitcoin, but coupled with the fact that miners weren't also mining full blocks. They were leaving out empty blocks, and Bitmain was one of the, the, the main people doing that. And I, I part of that is because of that breakdown of game theory a little bit, where they were then at the same time pumping altcoins, and they were making miners for those altcoins. They had bags of those altcoins, right? And then you could see like 100x multiples, 50x multiples in the alts because you're sabotaging Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. So it does, it changes the game theory a little bit from when it when it first was introduced introduced when bitcoin was first introduced because you because you do have these other uh competing chains i think Mm -hmm. but not that much right it's still like if bitcoin goes down because of a bad bug you're taking the whole space with it for a little bit i would agree um and do you think this could completely cripple bitcoin that's what i'm trying to grasp here like no well we at least have I was looking at, if you scroll all the way down in coin.dance, you can see they give you the version breakdown. Oh no, there's a button, there's a button there. Uh, Oh yeah, here you go. Scroll down more. It gives you all the different node implementations and how many there are. So download. Click view. Oh, not view. I saw it there somewhere. But anyway, there's like there's about a thousand there's at least a thousand visible nodes that are under 0.14, right? So even if it somehow crashed every node above 0.14, you'd still even that in that worst case scenario scenario you'd still have the nodes from 0.14 from before 0.14. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like a little under a thousand. It's like 800 nodes are under 0.14. There we go. Yeah, here we go. And then you have the ones that are above 16 point. Then you have the the, the newer nodes, the beta nodes. There's a, yeah, there's 26 people still running beta nodes. That's interesting. Uh, oh, that's Bitcoin. Excuse me. Yeah, that's just what they tag themselves as, too. Yeah. Like, you can change that. But anyway, it, it it's not great. It's definitely not a good look. Um... It's a, it's another reminder that these things are complicated, and and even when you have the smartest minds in the world looking at it, you know things get through. Yeah. Uh, but it looks like they, 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 someone disclosed it to them. It hadn't been attacked in the wild. They got everything together and patched up, you know, ASAP. The Bitcoin Optex newsletter is a perfect example of its value here because they're able to reach. A lot of people that don't check the mailing list and, and GitHub and whatnot. Yeah. And uh, and it probably wouldn't have been, you know, like I said, it's not great to see, but it probably wouldn't have been, you know, you know catastrophic. And everyone, you know, you, everyone has their copy of the blockchain. Um, yeah. And I'm trying to figure out, I think, I believe it was disclosed to Bitcoin ABC first because they were affected. Uh, apparently, that's what Greg Maxwell is saying on on Reddit. 
Um, so this has been known for a little bit here, but yeah, just uh, a, a reminder that as uh, as highly touted as the developers in Bitcoin are in particular, uh, nobody's infallible. But like by the time by the time you listen to this pod, if a miner hasn't tried to do the attack yet, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, like it's probably already too late for them to do it. But uh, but yeah, definitely ahead. in like the next six hours or so it will be. Yeah. Uh, in other Bitcoin core version is make sure uh, you test uh, version 0.17. But see, if you were testing that one, that one wasn't going to get knocked off. No. Well, oh no, I it guess would it have, would have. It would yeah. have until the patch. It now probably, it won't. Yeah, it probably now implemented it today. Yeah, that's true. It w- yeah, that one would have got knocked off too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So interesting times. Some. Uh, would you consider this fud? Not fud. No, this is. I mean, it's fear, uncertainty, and doubt. That's for sure. But it's substantiated. <laughs> yeah. The problem is unsubstantiated fud. That's true. Very good. This uh, is alienation. The price didn't really take a hit. I mean, people are idiots, so they probably don't even you know understand really what's realize. going on. Yeah. Uh, but the yeah, price didn't take a hit. Nodes didn't take a hit. And we carry on. And we move on. What uh, what do we got next? You want to talk about uh, this ICO deflation here? Not really. Uh, there's just not many ICOs anymore, right? Yeah, Crypto Bobby had a good tweet, uh, basically showing the volume of money raised via ICOs, 1.5 billion uh, in January, and I can't. E- you can't even comprehend how much in September. I guess just very little. Yeah, less than 100 million. Yeah, I mean they're doing. There's a lot of like private raises still, yeah. even the ones that exist. Well, let's talk, about, pri- let's talk private. about private raises. Like, they're completely anathema. It's what the space is like. How is that even acceptable? Like, a pre-mined shitcoin in, like, 2013 would have, was left. Well, Ethereum of set the standard, you know? Then once you once you did that, it was just... But it wasn't private. Well, there was, there was like, 25 founders or whatever that oh, had, yeah, like, yeah, private yeah. allocations, yeah. right? Yeah. And, like, they were really... Seed investors, right? Well, there's the oligarchs you want to live under in the future. And then all those guys, then, and all the other ICOs wanted private placements and stuff, and they had the discounts, and the, all the funds are incestuous. I mean, I uh, someone was talking to me about it. It's something like 20 funds control, you know, like 60% or 70% of the fund investment in the space. So like, you have like 20 people in a room, you know, and they all get in on the same deals and they get those nice sweet discounts Yeah. before you dump it on retail. And do you think that's sustainable in the long run? No, the graph shows you that it's not (laughs) the reason. One of the reasons Ethereum boomed, right. Is because it was the on rope to the ICOs. Yeah. I mean, so was Bitcoin. But I've made this uh, analogy but, before. It's very analogous to like printing money and and the system we're trying to run away from with Bitcoin in particular. But well, the individual tokens, like absolutely, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, if you give someone the power to do it, they're gonna do it. Yeah, it's uh, and a lot of these tokens are centralized. They're just it's the complete opposite of what this space used to be. And. Uh, and it makes sense that they were, you know, they were in a lot of times they were breaking securities violations and stuff like that. And they were just playing with fire and now it's starting to catch up with them. A lot of these guys have subpoenas and stuff, you know, that we probably don't know about. Mm-hmm. 
and and they're they're scared and they also know that they're not going to get those big retail numbers too so like why break the law if you're not going to make 150 million dollars you know it's true the risk reward is not there anymore yeah it's not as much um yeah so that's the state of the ico industry public ICOs at least uh completely deflated um at about less than 10 percent volume of what they were at in the beginning of the year it was like the yeah, it was it was a year of of craziness, and now we're we're getting back to the back to normal, climbing back to sanity. Um, we talked about the New York Attorney General Attorney's General Office earlier. Um, I think one thing I just interviewed Caitlin Long on this week's episode of Tales from the Grip. Great Grip, episode, great the, episode. The interview, thank you. Um, check that out if you haven't, freaks. But we jumped into what she's doing with uh, Wyoming and the government in Wyoming in particular, and it seems like they're trying to be the polar opposite of New York State and be as laissez-faire as possible. Uh, and Caitlin has a call to action for all you freaks out there, specifically any of you freaks who have attempted to run a company that accepts or works with cryptocurrency and has had trouble getting a bank account. Uh, if you have a story that sort of follows this theme, uh, if you could type it up, uh, and send it to Caitlin. Uh, you can find her on Twitter at Caitlin Long underscore. That's Caitlin C A I T L I N Long L O N G underscore on Twitter. Go to her website, find her email if you have one of these stories, uh, and and share your story with her. She's going to send it, uh, put it in front of the Wyoming uh, state red representatives. She's just looking for ammunition. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and that's going to happen this Friday. So a little short notice here, but if you have some time looking to contribute any any little thing you can do to help push bitcoin forward uh this is one thing um so that's my announcement been a slow news week talking about a closing accounts uh paypal was they were closing a bunch of youtuber accounts what happened which uh i i think they i think they the genre of youtube was they were they make like sexual noises <laughs> it's um, like a fetish genre i'm not really sure all i know is that they they got their they were making a lot of money on PayPal donations. PayPal shut it down. As uh, what, like sex gave work? Them, gave them no recourse. But PayPal allows, supposedly, in their terms, but you have to, like, choose it. And they don't think that they apply for it, so they would never choose that either. But anyway, I just, I think PayPal is one of the best marketers for Bitcoin. Every time they close an account, it's just, like, a perfect uh, example of the value prop that you have. I mean, this... This uh, woman was, she was on Twitter, like complaining to her followers, like, I don't know what to do. Like, they're risking my livelihood here. And, you know, Bitcoin. There you go. There's the answer. Go to Bitcoin. It's the answer. It can definitely help. Um, another topic I wanted to talk about was Josh Garza. <laughs> oh, gall miners, baby. He just yeah. went to jail, didn't Pay he? Paycoin. 21 months in jail. Um, this guy basically An set OG up, scammer. OG scammer. He, he was way ahead of his time. He would have made bank in 2017, like absolute <laughs> bank. He would have crushed it. Um, you know, he launched, so he launched an ICO in, in 2014, I think. For gall miners, right? Or for was it Paycoin. Pay, Paycoin for gall miners. It was Paycoin by gall miners. Okay. Yeah. So gall miners was a Bitcoin mining op. I think they also did like Litecoin as well. Um, this was around the same time that Ethereum was having their ICO. Because it was 2014, right? I think. Mm -hmm. um, and he made all these big claims. It was going to be Bitcoin 2.0. It's going to be the future. He had all his bull. It was 
complete with bullshit partnerships. Uh, you know, he said you were going to be able to buy an Amazon and Walmart. And he did a bunch of like hype PR. A lot of partnerships. A lot of partnerships. So many partnerships. And, and, and so he, he got a bunch of PR. Wall Street Journal wrote him up. Uh, he was running ads on all the top sites. And, but it was immediately obvious, like, how shitty of a fucking product it was. But he sucked so many people in. He, oh, he claimed a $20 price floor, which, like, kind of reminds me of, like, a lot of the stable coins, too. Uh, where he said, like, we'll always buy the coin for $20. So it's never going to go under 20 And then eventually it broke, right? Like, he ran out of money. This is, like, freaks out there. If you ever hear somebody in this space in particular trying to claim that I had somebody look me in the face. I went to a Neo event undercover, like, six months ago. Just to see like right. what that hype was like, I wrote about it in the newsletter. Couldn't tell you what issue, but China's Ethereum, <laughs> exactly. China's Ethereum, Neo is. Um, it's but not, I no. was like interviewing people. They like I went to this event. I think it was at Citibank. No, it was at Chase. It was at J.P. Morgan Chase down in Fidei, like in one of their like top floor of one of their buildings. Uh, and this event was so so shittily thrown together that uh, they had like this camera set up f- to interview attendees of the event and they had nobody to interview. So they're like, do you know what you're doing? I was like, yeah, I can interview people. So I went like completely like, wow. Co- I went undercover and was just asking hard questions and like, I shit you not to two of the people like I was talking to that were uh, raising ICOs at the time, looked at me and straight in the eyes and said, uh, our token will have a price floor. One was $2 and one was one fifty. Um, freaks economics 101 price floors are just impossible economically it's yeah you'll just sell into them yeah and until they break i mean yeah. banker was bankar was one of the big uh, uh icos of last year and like they had a price floor that broke i'm pretty sure yeah and it was like one of the first things that happened everyone was like okay let's break this price floor and uh and they they were in the news this week too actually they, they're gonna uh port oh that's a function- good topic they're gonna we port functionality to eos let's talk about this yeah Nice little uh, ad lib tap topic here. Uh, so the, you know, Ethereum has had the benefit of basically swinging up for the. Their, Ethereum's what like three years old now at this point, maybe a little bit older. Um, three, yeah. I think it's just three almost three. Yeah, but anyway, it's young and it's been swinging up most of the time, right? So we're going after Bitcoin. The Bitcoin maximalists are all narrow-minded and and ignorant and 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 we have nothing to lose we're the innovators right Mm -hmm. and now that they're number two you know now that they're one of the juggernauts in the space you have all these other chains that are coming after them right that are that are ethereum wants wanted to be bitcoin 2.0 well now you have all the uh, the so-called ethereum 2.0 chains right Mm -hmm. and one of them is eos and with these chains what they want their main priority is to make it as easy for Ethereum developers to port their shit over, right? Like that's the main goal that they have. Like if you look at a at a short at a short term way to boost your chain's value, the easiest way is to make it so any DAP that's on Ethereum can just be smoothly ported over. Mm-hmm. And that's what's happening. Uh, and that's what EOS did. And that's what's happening with Bancor. They're they're launching Bancor on EOS. And so on EOS. Or Ethereum, you can use Bancor to trade EOS or Ethereum-based tokens. So anything, 
So it's not even like, so like you could use EOS and, and supposedly, I mean, I haven't tested out, but supposedly you can be trading ERC20 tokens on EOS we using have, Bancor. We have galaxies colliding here. Um, no, and it's, uh, it's interesting to see this at the beginning of this sort of trend and why, are, so let's explain why this is happening. Like, why are they going over to EOS? Why aren't they content with Ethereum? Well, one of the interesting things is, is for a lot of these dApps to be functional, you want to have lower fees, right? But for usually lowering fees goes at the, it, it, it's, it has an opposite force for censorship resistance and, and decentralization. So the, one of the easiest ways to lower fees is to just increase centralization, just say it doesn't even matter. So you end up in this kind of, race to the bottom where if, if chains are competing on fees, then each one's trying to, you know, become more centralized than the other. And long term, that's, you're just going to become a target for governments and, and your whole value prop goes out the window. So, so that's what e, that EOS was like, you know, we see Ethereum is like a little bit, you know, Ethereum is more centralized than Bitcoin. Well, we're going to, let's up that a fucking notch and we'll make ours even more centralized. 21 block producers. And, and the fees will just be, way low the, and and what they do is the fees are like baked into the inflation so like you don't feel like there's fees but like you're you're getting taxed through the inflation mm -hmm. uh and it makes it and i and i i guess the dap developers on eos also pay for the fees in addition to that so the fees are really abstracted the users never really see any the fees. developers pay the fees yeah they like load it up with, with so gas like a or subsidy whatever. or something to Bootstrap their, their like apps or like the way the smart contracts work on EOS is is the developer is like putting a certain amount of money aside to uh, handle that amount of processing power on the EOS network. So if a certain number of transactions or whatever are going through, they need to they need to put up the that amount of money. But but everything is abstracted so that the, to the end user, they think they're there's no fees. Yeah, um, but that will come out and higher app costs right it'll just be hidden somewhere else right? yeah everything is, the whole point of EO, everything always has a cost no matter what right mm -hmm. but the key is who's paying the cost yeah and how does the user view it right mm -hmm. and so like the eos model is is the block producers are taking an inflation cut right so that's abstracted out and then and then the devs are also you know putting up some money yeah, the, so the, I'm still stuck on the devs part here. Like, how many devs are going to be willing to front that amount of costs, and for how long? Yeah, I don't. Um, I don't. I did not. I have not looked into it well enough. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think EOS can last long term. <laughs> so, and I, I don't know. I don't think that's the issue, but it could be one of them. Yeah, right? Yeah. I guess the. Uh, I guess the overarching point we're trying to make here is that. Uh, DAP platform competitors are coming. Like, Teza is just launched. There's another news item. Teza has just launched mainnet this I week, just, right? I think the important thing, yes, I think the important thing to take away is that it doesn't matter how many projects you have built on top of your chain. The, by the nature it. of these platforms, right, like you can move around them relatively easy. There's not, the moat isn't as big as people think the moat is. Yeah. In terms of da DAPs and, and smart contracts. Yeah, and perceived uh, yeah. Lindy effect and 
sunk costs into. And then the other reason Banker likes it is because Banker's Ethereum contract famously has the clause in it where they can just do whatever the fuck they want with the tokens and they mm-hmm. can pull back tokens and stuff. Yeah. Um, and like EOS loves that philosophy. So he, so that's another case where like, so like Ethereum had the DAO rollback and then EOS was like, well, that's great, but we're going to take that to the whole next level and we're going to create a constitution that says that we are absolutely going to roll it back in those situations, you yeah. know? So it's... Yeah, so for you freaks that don't understand, I don't know if they... Did they take it out? At one point, it might still exist, but at one point, uh, every time a, EOS, a transaction happens on the EOS network, like a miner or a user is hashing the EOS constitution yeah, ca- into that transaction. The constitution always hashed in. I'm pretty sure it's still yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> it's just weird, man. It's very weird. It's uh, a little too idealistic, too, I believe. Yeah, and it just throws all the immutability out the window. You have people, you have politicking. I think there's so much wrong with EOS. But the point is, if you're trying to run a DAP for cheap, cheap, you know, there's going to be a million chains that can do that, yeah. right? And it's just a race to the bottom. It's not good for the long-term health of, of any chain to try and compete on fees. Do you think there'll ever be a point where uh, on second and third layers of Bitcoin, platforms like this exist and you can use Bitcoin, the token, whether it be via Lightning Network or some other Yeah, I mean, I would, higher level. Layer. I already like the terminology that came out. Laps. Laps, yeah. Uh, sounds better than dApps. I like laps. That's L-A-P-P-S. And you wanted to highlight a lap tonight, actually. Oh, yeah. So I thought it'd be good if we had a section that was just like cool shit built on top of Bitcoin. Yeah. I'm built on top of Lightning specifically. Yeah. So we got we got an example today. LNDwork.com. Mm-hmm. It's basically, it's like, I don't know if you freaks know uh, Mechanical Turks, which is uh, Mechanical Turk, which is on Amazon. Basically, it's micro tasks that um, people that, that, that need little tasks to be done post, post their request on the site. You do the task and you get paid you get paid in a micropayment through the lightning network. In this case, it's a thousand Satoshi, which is about six cents at current price. Um, and what they have you doing is looking right now. The only tasks are looking at food items and defining what brand and type of food they are. Yeah. They want you to be like a smart computer. I mean, you, they want you to be like a human. It's, it's, tech, it's basically like getting paid for captcha. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's what it is. They're paying you six cents. They're paying you six cents to do captcha on groceries right now. Yeah. Um, don't know if I would spend that much time, but maybe not for me, maybe. But the thing is the platform lets you do, I'm pretty sure the platform lets you do any task at any price. And it just happens to be that the one contractor out right now is just really wants his groceries all, (laughs) all labeled. Maybe he's making, like if you're making an app, right. And you need to, you know, put one image to a word, then, then you run it through here and, and six cents on every. You know, I don't know if you ever watched this show Silicon Valley, right? Like the hot dog app. Yeah. Where it's like hot dog, not a hot dog, yeah. right? Like you could run, you can run it through here. You could, yeah. And, so and that, then feed it into your machine learning and then take it from there. Interesting. I don't know. It's just cool. It's a simple tool. Proves the concept. Uses microtransactions. Mm-hmm. Uh, takes advantage of the low fee that Lightning has. And there's no token required. There's no token required. There was no ICO. I mean, the token is Satoshi's. The token is fucking Bitcoin, you know? Yeah. And I just, it's just good to see. 
I'm just happy to see it. It's nice. I like I like these simple tools. I like when when people give you like simple, powerful, robust tools, and you can be creative with it. Exactly, and this, if anything, this is just the first iteration of a use yeah, case exactly. that might evolve into something crazy. Uh, yeah. It's not going to change the world by itself, but it's a nice little imagine, tool. Imagine being like, uh, there's some guy somebody, that saw this on Twitter today and is right now. He's got going s- through it. He's got like fifty thousand satoshis. He's got six dollars. He's got five dollars. Or three dollars, that would be. It's like the honey miner. It's the same idea. The honey miner, you're, you know, yeah. you're you're pulling in a couple thousand satoshis a day, depending on your computer. Honey miner, you do not have to do much work with honey miner. Or uh, you're just basically converting your electricity, yeah, into shit coins and then dumping them for Bitcoin. Honey miner, the computer does the work for you. Um, so, do we have any other? Do we have any other topics? Um, trying to think. We saw uh, Dyer newsletter posted Venezuela local Bitcoin volume, but historically we've only had that in Bitcoin volume and Bolivar. And Bolivar, but Bolivar doesn't really matter because the, the inflation's so high that the, it just keeps going up. They normalized it for USD volume, and when you look at it in USD volume, it's just pretty much constantly going up. Yeah. So, like, we can just put that to rest. You know, people are using Bitcoin in Venezuela as an inflation hedge. And uh, I think it's a good opportunity to push back at some of the uh, no-coiner FUD. Not even FUD, but like no-coiner screeching where they like to concern troll and say, stop trying to be opportunistic and and say that Bitcoin is going to save the world and all the Venezuelan people because they have a new sound money. I just want to make it clear that we're not saying that. We're saying that Bitcoin is 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 just another tool avail- available to these people to, to try to store their wealth throughout time and it is working well and people in venezuela specifically uh argentina picked up a little bit this year as well uh turkey uh is far from its peak uh so is iran um and egypt is is far from its peak but is rising again too but i just want to make it clear that i'm not me, I'll speak for myself personally. I don't think Bitcoin in these regions, where which are having massive currency crises or uh, government confidence crises, I guess you could define them as. Uh, Bitcoin is just one tool that these people can use, and if if I think, I mean, it's a pretty big tool now. I it is a big tool. I would say it's not going to solve all their problems, but no, like, it doesn't make life fair. No, it doesn't like magically solve inequality. No, but like they have the guarantee of a fair money. Yes, right. Like we saw. I mean, there was. Salt Bay, the famous Salt chef. Bay. Salt, let's talk had, about Salt Bay a little bit. Salt had, Bay fucked up. He had Maduro eat at his restaurant. And Bad like, optics for Salt Bay. Took a bunch of Twitter pictures with him and videos and stuff. And you like see Maduro like gorging on food while people are starving in his home country. Gorging on a very expensive meal. It looked very delicious. And and you know like it brings, it really brings to light like, who the fuck wants to trust that guy with your wealth? Right. Like if you're a Venezuelan, like up before Bitcoin, you're I mean, you could get black market dollars, but like Bitcoin makes it way fucking easier to not have to trust Maduro with with your money, with your wealth, with your family's livelihood. Right. So at least you have, you know, it's not going to solve inequality, but at least you have that guarantee of fair money, fair wealth value. Exactly. Can't be corrupted. And for all, you no coin, no coiner screechers out there. Nobody's trying to say that this is going to solve all Venezuela's problems. It's just another tool available to these people. And it's been working pretty pretty consistently for almost a decade now. Yeah, and the thing is you want to buy, like, 
you can't buy it while the crisis is going on. Usually, it's very, yeah. it becomes very difficult. You know, yeah. Iran banned cryptocurrencies. Well, that's crazy to see that uh, USD volume in Venezuela is still increasing as their well, their I, crisis is. I think the problem is with them is not only are they a horrible government, they're so bad that that they don't have the kind of control over their citizens that a lot of these other countries have, right? Where they're just not they're not sophisticated enough to really block that inflow of Bitcoin, and there's so much cheap energy, right? So that people are mining on old equipment and stuff. So the black market has easy supply for for Bitcoin to be to be introduced into the economy. Yeah, um, I mean one of the things with Bitcoin and POW in general is is that permissionless nature, with the fact that if you have equipment, you can hook it up and mine, and like now you need ASICs. But, you know, it's just a matter of getting that hardware. And then once you get the hardware, you can mine relatively anonymously and no one can stop you. Uh, that's, you know, exactly. So, so if, if, it was, if it was a proof of stake system, you would basically try and stop. You would, that whole inflow that Venezuela and black market miners have would just completely get cut off, right? That wouldn't exist. The only way to get it would be from buying it from but, a current yeah. holder. Yeah, interesting. And so you block off that. That's a good point for proof of work versus proof of stake. And actually, That's we can main thing segue me. this into maybe a last segment. Is uh, we've talked about the series and in a, f- a few episodes up to this point. It would be remiss of us to not uh, bring it up in this episode. And that is the fourth part of Lorenz Bang Bang uh, POW series. Uh, and it was really just a more of a philosophical piece. Like, hey, we should we probably shouldn't be comparing proof of work and proof of stake because the trade-offs are, are so immense when you compare the two that they're really uh, solving this. I don't even want to say they're solving the same problem. Like they're the trade-offs are, are so vast that they're hard to compare when you're talking about securing uh, a decentralized protocol like Bitcoin. I mean, yeah, people think like blockchain is the, the magical invention of Bitcoin. I mean, I would say that that POW element is really the, is is really the breakthrough, right? It, mm-hmm. it backs the whole trust minimized system and uh, and and makes it and makes it permissionless, makes it so that everyone acts greedy and and the system uh, basically operates uh, regardless of how anyone feels or does or or whatever. Yeah, and it's and it's completely capitalistic too. Like if you slip up, like as we're seeing Bitmain do right now, people are gonna f- fill those holes, and uh, it's easier for new entrants to to make a dent in pow whereas in pos you sort of have to buy your way in yeah hugo hugo has a great uh i don't know how to pronounce his last hugo name hugo nugent yeah he has a great he has a great post on it's my favorite post uh on on the topic of pow versus pos and um, i actually have a domain which i redirected to his medium which is pow versus pos.com <laughs> so if you want to vs pos or v-e-r-s-u-s no, I got VS. Okay. And I also have the opposite. So you don't even have to remember how I said that. You could be POS versus POW, POW, POW versus POS. I got both of them. I got actually have a ton of Ethereum staking domains. So if they ever pull off this, uh, <laughs> this proof of stake thing, you know, Ugh. I got myself covered a little bit. But yeah, so just go to that. You can read his post. We'll link it in the, in in the, the show, show notes. notes. Yeah. Definitely, That's definitely a good one to read. Yeah. Um, what else we got? I'm going to come to the defense of Salt Bay. Not come to the defense of him, but I had a funny uh, 
funny high daydream today like where salt bay is just so uh stuck in his world of meats that he doesn't even know what's going on geopolitical world he just said like hey there's a president yeah he didn't realize i don't think i think he but i mean that's just as bad almost right almost but like i would also like to think of salt bay is just like so committed to his craft that all he thinks about is cooking meats and, and chopping them and making twitter videos he deleted all the posts yeah i saw that Maybe somebody came up to it was like salt. Bay. No, no one was at the Miami restaurant. Got boycotted. Like no one was at Miami, <laughs> Miami restaurant. Was, I bet somebody came up to it was like salt. Bay. Like I know you were pumped for that dinner last night. I don't think you understand the gravity of the situation in Venezuela. Yeah, right he was now. like pulling out like the promo <laughs> shirts and stuff, and he was like putting he was like putting them in front of people. I don't know. This craziness. Again, I don't think this is true. This was just a, a Marty daydream this morning. Um, you got any final thoughts here? I don't think so. It was, like, it was kind of a slow week. Slow week. We're a little bit in the doldrums. Uh, I think it's going to continue. I think it's going to get slower and slower and slower. Yeah, I mean, that's what bear markets do. People usually year. put their head down. I mean, I don't think... I think we're... You know, some people were calling for a reversal this week. I mean, I don't <laughs> think the bear market's anywhere near over yet. Yeah, I think there's a, a bit more capitulation to go before. Yeah, but long-term, the thesis is the same. Yeah, fundamental. I mean, uh, we're like we're sitting in we're sitting in like late 2014 right now, and like what the absolute bottom was like January 2015. Yeah, um, right? yeah. Tor Demeester had a good quote uh, tweet today um, that he wrote at the at the depths of the last bear market. Bitcoin fundamentals have not changed; only price and sentiment did. That was January. Hashtag January capitulation. The price hit that low was $152. It hit it had hit 1200 like earlier in the fall uh of of 2013 and mm-hmm. then almost I just so it was, it was like a year and a couple months afterwards. Yeah, tour it had tour said he posted that tweet in January of 2015 at $177. Yeah, so it hit 152 on January 20th cuz mm-hmm. I have an article where I like screamed at the world a little bit. Yeah, so that was a week. This tweet was a week before it. So, tour almost called the bottom. Yeah, one fifty. I mean, look, if you call it the whole way, you'll get the bottom too. <laughs> uh, that's what we're all doing now. You'll see us all on Twitter. We're all posting. You know, you post the bullish tweets, and then you get to retweet the one that's. It's uh, prescient. <laughs> but uh, I mean, obviously, you know, he tour was buying the whole time. He called it. Yeah. Uh, no one needs to call the exact bottom. You know, just I. If 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 the thesis holds true, Bitcoin goes up forever, and it's going to have these volatile periods. And you're just you know you have to have a long time scale. You you have and you you can't trying to trade these shorter things just freaks everything. There's people who have you know been shorting Bitcoin since seventeen thousand dollars and have gotten liquidated twenty five times or whatever, mm-hmm. or have gone long. And the same thing has happened to them, right? Yeah. So it's like, if you if if you're betting on in short term, this is just all just it's nice. just straight gambling. Yeah. yeah, everyone thought we turned around this, and and we're back down. Right? Yeah, so. like two months ago when we went up to like eight three for a bit. But I have to say, like Bitcoin is like I'm probably jinxing right now, and it's probably gonna like crash right after the pod. But I feel like it's holding way stronger than I expected, especially when you compare it to something like Ethereum. I mean, the Ethereum stakeholders are literally scrambling for narratives right now. Yeah. Uh, hey, it's hey, it's a good time to buy Ethereum to become a, a validator in the future. Yeah, I yeah, 
32 Ethereum is all you need. Right. I mean, we don't know if that's final or anything yet. Or very, POS will even happen. Very I mean, arbitrary. I have my yeah. prediction out there in the wild. It'll never happen. You've been right so far. I will be right until it happens. I had, I had the opposite. I've been arguing against POS for like two years now. That never happens. It's like such a fucking waste of time. <laughs> it's like you're digging, and the, the specs keep changing, so you can't even. You can only do like vague, big claim, you know, big statements because you yeah. don't know what like the actual specs are going to be. But it should be interesting. We actually have like POS chains now, like running in the wild, like Tezos and shit. So yeah, uh, we get to see them fail, and then and then be like, "Told you so." Well, one that did fail this week, Steam it. Last Steam, but that's like a complete shitcoin. Yeah, DPoS. I guess it's supposedly used a lot. I've never used it. I mean, people do use it. You can rack up. It's like a Reddit, but you get paid to post and like you pay for upvotes and shit, right? Yeah, yeah. It was the EOS. It's Dan Larimer's. Yeah, yeah. It's Dan Larimer's. Dan Larimer likes creating projects and then like walking away from the projects when they're about seventy-five percent through. It's like a. He's like your general home, home contractor, right? Yeah. Like he's really good at getting you to like 85%, but then he like walks out and there's like a hole in the bathroom and just never gets fixed. Yeah, and one day it uh, just stops working. Yeah. So that. he did he did that with BitShares and then he did that with Steam and now he's doing it with EOS. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm really looking forward to his next project. It's probably going to be fantastic. Make sure you get in on that pre-sale. <laughs> yeah, please don't. Um, I hope our sarcasm comes through. It does. I hope so. Um, yeah, so I mean, I think I think we can wrap this up here, you know, and we'll. Oh, wait, should we? Nah, we'll, we can surprise them. Um, we'll see you guys next week. We're gonna surprise you. We'll be back next week with a surprise. Enjoy the rest of your week, freaks. Peace and love. Thanks for tuning in to the Rabbit Hole Recap. Kiki!